Hello and welcome to the JNM podcast. My name is Jeanette. Uh, this is a podcast where we talk about movies, TV shows, and anything in between. Uh, first off, we would like to thank you for listening. If you are coming back, welcome back. And if you are new, welcome and hope you enjoy. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And before we get started, I would like to welcome back my probably one of my amazing best friends and Zinga Murray. You're just saying that. <laughs> That's not true. Oh my god. I'm so happy to be uh back on episode 247. No, I think it's we're still at like 40 or something. Oh well it, it it's definitely like about 247 or so. You you always gotta round up. That's what that's what you do. Just yeah, just round up. But thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be back. Like this this podcast is so much fun. Uh so yay, I'm happy to be here. Woo! <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we are getting back on our strong, badass female character series. Yes, and that's why I'm here, because I'm clearly a strong, badass female. <laughs> so she so wanted an expert. Yeah, so we, we're going to talk about the 2018 vigilante action film, Peppermint. Sorry, I'm reacting to 2018. <laughs> yeah, really it was 2018. Wow. wow. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, I know that COVID's been like 10 years now, but also <laughs> that's, that's wow. Okay. Okay. 2018. We're doing this. I thought she was going to say 2020. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, this, right. was, this was before uh, the was rhythm section. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> Great. <laughs> That means, and I was telling you that just before that I saw it with my AMC A-list pass that I'm definitely trying to get a free A-list pass out of this, um, guys. So feel free, AMC, to send me uh, like a coupon for an A-list pass. But if what she says is correct, I actually got this with my movie pass, rest in peace. <laughs> because oh, yes. That's back when movie pass was big. <laughs> so. Yeah. I think the last film I used movie pass was... Um... The Snowman, and it was a Michael Fassbender yes. horrible film. <laughs> yes. And it was so funny because, okay, side story. When I went to buy the ticket from the guy, he was like, Oh, like, are you sure you want to watch this? And I'm like, Oh, what happened? Did something happen? <laughs> like, you know, like, are you sure I, you want to watch this? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, Oh, no, not, nothing. Like, I was like, Why did you ask me? <laughs> Wow. Yeah. See, well, okay. Well, yeah. Um, movie pass, rest in peace um, on that. But uh, that doesn't mean that I still don't want my uh, free AMC uh, A-list coupon for advertising for their site. So please, everyone go get an AMC A-list pass and send me a coupon. Woo. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, Side note, we are not sponsored by AMC yet. Well, we could be, but we could yes. be. Guys. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> throwing it out there now. So yes, AMC. Go to AMC and also <laughs> the log line for this film is after her husband and daughter are gunned down by a drug cartel, Riley Norris becomes a vigilante and hunts down the people who were involved and got away with it. Which is just a wild log line. I mean, women and children should definitely go see this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a, a family flick 
it's a family flick about a woman who loses her family. But I guess technically, what was the last thing we did? That was about a woman who lost her family. So we're yeah. just on a roll now. <laughs> like, I would say, like, this is, like, a little bit, like, a step up from the rhythm section. It's not like she immediately goes into, like, turmoil. <laughs> well... <laughs> I, let's I just really, let's just be honest she does not become a prostitute let's just like no she does not that's true and um and um i mean i feel like as far as like action flicks like um jennifer garner is um she was already sort of on that path you know what i mean so like she already had some experience being a badass yeah whereas i'm not convinced blake lively technically did so she needed her that was her starter movie yeah. So, but this, but this one, this was, this is like OG uh, badass. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I received information from Wikipedia, IMDb, uh, RepublicWorld.com, and Movie Database Wiki. So, in terms of the cast, you have Jennifer Gardner as Riley North. Of course, you may know her from 13 Going on 30. Best movie ever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Ghosts of Girlfriends Pass, Love, Simon, and then also Daredevil and Elektra. Uh, yeah, why would you say Love, Simon? <laughs> I don't know. I try to get like recent films that she was in, but that was the most you know in terms of like the main cast you know what i mean uh, i okay <laughs> it's like i feel like you go like daredevil electra 13 going on 30 don't say any of the rest <laughs> <laughs> come on <laughs> oh my gosh okay keep going <laughs> no worries uh, uh you you have john ortiz as detective moses beltron so for this guy he hasn't been in a lot of uh films in terms of main role so i try to get most notable films he's been in so silver linings playbook kong skull island and ad astra oh shoot this is rough i've never seen any of these movies <laughs> i mean i've yeah. heard of ad astra i've heard of kong uh, and I did see Silver Linings playbook. I think he was like one of like the side characters that wasn't really big, but was just there to fill in the character. But again, like that's kind of, you know. Uh, next, <laughs> you have uh, John Gallagher Jr. as Detective Stan Carmichael. You may know him from 10 Cloverfield Lane, Hush, and the Belko Experience uh again <laughs> basically this whole cast is like nameless except for jennifer Gardner. well <laughs> like, i would say for john gallagher like he was like the main uh roles for those three so yeah <laughs> yeah go ahead okay <laughs> sorry uh next we have juan pablo raba as diego garcia you may know him from agents of shield narcos and coyote which again is kind of like john ortiz kind of doesn't have a lot of big roles and then finally you have Anne 
Ilanze as FBI agent Lisa Inman. You may know her from All Eyes on Me, Chicago Fire, and a one-season run of the Charlie's Angels TV remake. Yeah, that thing only had like four episodes, so yeah, I don't think it counts as a show. But um, I would say that um, curious about the you know sort of the next segment, which is the backstory, because um, you know I used to when I was in film school, my my teacher used to say that like women can't make successful action flicks because they're not big enough of a name um it's uh super offensive i agree with you know all the audience members who just went like what (laughs) i agree with them um but um jennifer garner usually is the exception you know but um not a big amount of star power in this film like doesn't appear to be. I mean, you are oh, John Gallagher, blah, blah, blah. But, like, I've never heard of this dude. Well, because, <laughs> like, I feel that it's kind of, I wouldn't say is as big as a, bo- a blockbuster movie like Taken. Yeah. Um, Because I feel like Taken, like, yeah, like, it's going to be successful. But I think with this, it it's almost like an indie film that they have, like, one A-list actor. And then they have, like, other people that you may know him from other places but and yes but i feel like some of that is because she's a woman because if if um if liam neeson if they were like we're gonna do peppermint with liam neeson right yeah. then it's suddenly a big movie you yeah know I mean? so i feel like some of that was because they tried to well because they do women dirty i mean that's just a whole like other theory on that but you know um i feel like if liam neeson was the lead actor in this film they would have found more names to be involved. Yeah. Know? So it was uh, like, I want to hear the backstory, but I wouldn't be surprised if like they struggled a bit <laughs> to get this going. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in terms of the backstory, uh, in May 2017, director Pierre Morel was attached to the project and he uh, previously directed the first uh, Taken film. Uh, And then he's also done a couple of action films here and there. The script came from writer Chad St. John, who previously co-wrote the script for London Has Fallen. Uh, The film, sorry, the movie's premise closely resembles to one from the 1994 film, Blue Tiger. And in this one, it was about a woman who dedicated her life seeking revenge after her son is killed by crossfire as Japanese gangster perform a hit. However, this film was fairly unknown um, in kind of the entertainment world and went straight to video in most territories. And so as a result, people refer the film as a gender swap version of Death Witch, which uh, is the 1974 original film and the 2009 Law Abiding Citizen. So wait, uh, so you're saying Chad St. John, he basically just writes the same film and switches the genders around? I guess. Okay. No, well, because no. like no? the, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> like it, I think like when I wrote that, it was more like uh, kind of like Quentin Tarantino's Kill Bill, that it's actually based on another film that kind of closely resembles to it but because yeah okay got it okay 
so <laughs> so i think like because like blue tiger it was still out there but because it wasn't as successful or big uh, as other films that no one really mentioned or realized the connection okay. and similarities so i think it's like the same thing with kill bill and that japanese film that it closely resembled to it that because the japanese film didn't have such a big audience compared to quentin tarantino's films that right. it didn't no one noticed the similarities okay got it yeah okay interesting yeah very interesting i i still feel like you know these men these uh straight white men be a little bit more original sir just saying but you know that's just my piece you know as yeah because like yeah because it's kind of weird like that when it comes to um like male action films like it could be anything it could be like you know oh taking down like a terrorist group or mm. taking down some other thing <laughs> but then with right. when if it's like a female that's uh in this action film it has to be connected to her family or something close to her uh yes uh, i uh there aren't a lot i mean i guess the only person who's been able to sort of like break that ceiling is angelina jolie with like basically all of her movies yeah um, with like tomb raider yeah tomb raider salt um or like maybe Charlize Theron in um what was that Atomic Blonde? Yeah, that was about her family. But like, for the most part, like they they're like, well, why would a woman be a badass? It has to be because she lost a child. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's just like I'd love to see um like a woman, right? And I guess you know Wonder Woman. But like I'd love to see like Patty Jenkins, right? Just like a standalone action flick. How awesome would that be? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, um, so I'm throwing that out there for all of you viewers. Um, let's rally for that. Uh, yes. But as you were saying. <laughs> oh, yeah, no worries. Uh, in August 2017, Jennifer Garner was in talks to join the film. And a month later, filming took place on location in California, which lasted about 50 days, beginning in September 15th, 2017. The place where the drive-by shooting happened uh, is actually the Shoreline Village in Long Beach. Goodness. Yeah. That's that was quick. Well, for one, for her to be in talks, this is Jennifer Garner, but like for her to be in talks and then for them to start filming so fast. And then like you said it came out in 2018. So yes. I, yeah. uh, prove me wrong that they they got this thing going quick. <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't know, like, I, I mean, I don't know what the process is like for taken, like, I don't know how quick that had a turnaround, you know? Yeah, um, but still, like, I, as someone who sits in development most of the day, like, it's, it's wild how long these movies come together. And the, the, this one seems to have come together very quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it was like, literally within a couple months it went from getting the director getting the star and then starting shooting yeah that's wild yeah who knows <laughs> uh they also did shoot on skid row in downtown la uh so it's a 900 to 1000 block of san julian street next to the city market of los angeles 
And the mural shown in the film was painted at the intersection of San Julian Street and Olympic Boulevard, but it's probably not there um, based on Google Maps. Yeah, that's a, that seems a bit weird that they would film on Skid Row. <laughs> but well, like, I kind of wonder, like, did they just allow, because I, I doubt that, you know, like, I feel like that's a lot of people that they would have to basically move, you know, because yeah. yeah, like, you're, know. you're, you're, most, you're of, most of your audience members are from California, right? Because like, it's basically Skid Row is like, like a stretch of land in downtown LA where it's just like homeless people and trash everywhere, right? And so for someone to film there, one, they'd have to move homeless people, like uproot them from the like the street where yeah. they live on the street. Yeah. Um, which seems a bit unethical if you would think, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. In LA, it's illegal to live in your car. So they have to live on the street in order to not get arrested. Um, so that's pretty wild that they they filmed there. Or did some homeless person just find himself laying beside Jennifer Garner <laughs> in the street? Well, see, that's the thing. Like, I don't know if because like I couldn't find any information if they actually like moved all the homeless people yes, or they, they just paid them like to go to a hotel for like a couple of days. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. Right. Or if they just paid them to be in the film as like an extra on the street. Who knows? I could see them doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, cause like, I tell you stuff like that. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, I can understand that it's probably better just to let them stay as extras, but then there also is this whole safety issue that there may be some homeless people that may have mental um, health issues and, right. you know, like you don't know what's going to happen right. and it may like, um hinder like the safety of like garner and the uh, other actors and even the crew so it's kind of like that weird thing yeah you know I, yeah that's that kind of bums me out of it i really hope that they didn't just like yeah i mean i don't know whatever the appropriate thing is for dealing with homeless people on the street like i hope they didn't cross that line but knowing yeah. hollywood i'm sure they did oh yeah <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I just hope that like they at least like did something good for them. Like they didn't just like push them out, right. you know, just to shoot like these like several scenes for like a couple of days, you know? Yeah, for sure. Anyway, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> uh stunt coordinator Don Lee previously worked with Garner on Daredevil and Electra. Uh Garner trained for three months to prepare. And it include dance, cardio, weight training, boxing, workouts, artillery sessions, and stunt work with her longtime double, Shauna Duggins. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, she does a lot of physical stuff in the movie. So uh, I didn't, I don't remember the dance part though, but she's, um, she does a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. And then there was also, um, I think it was like IMDB that mentioned that she did MMA training as well. Mm, okay. Yeah, that 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 checks out. I, I feel like, because you said her longtime double, yeah. right? So um, I'm curious, like, like what other movies she was her double for? I'm sure all of them, but you know what I mean? But like Jennifer Garner's done a lot of 
action stuff. So mm-hmm. I wonder if Sean and her are just like like buddies, like, hey, I'm about to do this movie, you coming up? She's like, yeah, girl, I'll be there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure. I mean, like, I know that um, that one uh, lady that was in Death Proof for Quentin Tarantino, like, yeah. she did stunt work for Cameron Diaz and then, like, I think a couple other uh, blonde hair actresses of, like, her height and size. Right. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure that she's probably has done other stunt doubles for other actresses similar oh, to sure. Jennifer Garner. Sure. Yeah, um, like the skinny, petite uh, white girls. You know yeah. what I mean? That's, there's definitely a market for that. Yeah. <laughs> Too good. Yeah, because I think um, they first started working like on Daredevil, and then they also did Elektra, and then probably did a bunch of other like, you know, parts here and there that required stunt doubling. Yeah, and wasn't then... Jennifer Garner the one on Alias? Yes. Yeah, so she's got plenty. That girl's got money. Shauna Duggins uh, is a is a true patriot. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for your service, Shauna. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure she's broken something or cut something. So we we support you. Yeah, uh, we support you. Yeah. <laughs> hope that she has amazing health care oh she does she totally does I, i'm pretty sure that's a thing like you know how like actors and directors and producers and writers they have their own like if they get in the guild they have their own insurance yeah i'm sure that's like whatever that is like stunt doubles have <laughs> like way better insurance than that you know what i mean yeah <laughs> so i'm sure she's bought <laughs> So despite gaining the profit to cover the budget, uh, the film received poor ratings. So it received 12% on Rotten Tomatoes, 29% on Metacritic, but it received a B plus and cinema score. And Frank Sheck from The Hollywood Reporter called the film Death Wish on steroids. Uh, he stated that though it lacks credibility, the film still gets the job done, which I, I completely agree. I feel yeah, like it gets the sure. job done. Yeah, if you're an action junkie, like you should like it. I mean, there's always going to be those haters out there who, you know, just don't, don't want women to succeed. But like, as far as like female led action flicks go, it was solid. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Compared to the rhythm section, I think it was pretty good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, please don't. Uh, <laughs> the rhythm section was wild. <laughs> this is these were professionals. <laughs> this was actually done by a professional <laughs> exactly. action director. <laughs> yeah, I give it a solid B plus yeah. for sure. Yeah, me too. Uh, at its widest release, Peppermint was screamed a little under three thousand theaters, but closed out of theaters on November. 3rd first 2018 after eight weeks which is about 56 days um it did uh garner garner several (laughs) nominations she totally did that on purpose (laughs) meaning you Jeanette (laughs) did that on purpose (laughs) garner garner (laughs) garner garner So she received a nomination for best worst film sorry the film received a nomination for best worst film from the Houston Film Critics Society Awards. 
uh, Garner herself uh, received a nomination from the Golden Raspberry for Worst Actress, but she lost to Melissa McCarthy uh, for Happy Time Murders. <laughs> right, and that, see, I don't know if I agree with the Golden Raz on that. Like, the thing is, right, like, a movie could be bad and you could still be a good actress, you know what I mean? Yeah. And she was, like, the thing that I think the movie does is Jennifer Garner, everyone knows Jennifer Garner. They've seen her in really good stuff. She's a really good actress. Yeah. Right? She was just in a in a movie that wasn't as, you know, as great. And and I and I'm gonna go ahead now before we know what the movie's about <laughs> and blame it on the writer. Um, but I think that she she shouldn't have won worse and she didn't win it, right? Um, I didn't see Happy Time Murder, so that may be very much. Oh no, it, it was pretty bad. So okay, I think, cool, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so like she shouldn't have won for uh for worst actress. So I'm glad that she didn't. Yeah, and then she also got nominated for. I would say it's a pretty funny award. Like I don't think that it was like you know serious or anything. But she was nominated for Excellence Dynamic Activism um, Award for Actress Most in Need of a New Agent but lost to Jennifer Lawrence for <laughs> Red Sparrow. <laughs> I've never heard of this award before. Me neither. Feel- like when I saw this, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This gotta be a joke. Like this gotta be like a funny award. Like, Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. I need to write this down because I've never heard of this award before. And, and it's, if this is a thing, like I want to see who else has been nominated. <laughs> oh, oh, trust me. It's like, I think the first award it, it like gave to someone under this um title uh was i think 2007 and it was like people like diane keaton nicole kidman (laughs) which i'm like okay okay it makes sense it makes sense because they haven't been in a lot of great movies like no not really (laughs) actress most in need of a new agent wow (laughs) yeah I wonder if Jennifer Lawrence took them up on it. Like, they were like, oh, I won the award for this. Great. I need a new agent. (laughs) What does the agent feel about that? (laughs) I don't know. Because, like, I see it as, like, a comedy award. You know what I mean? It's, like, a joke award. Like, it's not a serious award, but it's just, like, ha-ha, like, (laughs) hee-hee. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. But yeah, that would have been so great if Jennifer Lawrence actually attended the ceremony and like accepted the award. It was like, I really appreciate I would like to thank my agent for allowing me to get this award. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jennifer Lawrence doesn't seem like the type to ever want to be bothered about anything funny. <laughs> yeah. So she probably didn't. But I wonder if they mailed it to her and she was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> Also, this is a fun fact that I found on IMDb. Uh, Maxi pad was originally designed for injuries and wounds as it could soak up blood and not leave messes before it was rebranded as a feminine hygiene product. For some reason, this fact was in IMDb for the you know fun facts of peppermint. I have no idea why. <laughs> Maybe they used a lot of maxi pads on set. <laughs> well, I mean, like there is a scene where she uses a maxi pad to like. Um, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Then that makes then, sense. I mean, it's it's 
weird that <laughs> I don't I don't remember that at all. Um, but it's weird that um, uh, I wonder if they just got free Max pads from from Maxi Pad. Like, hey, thank you so much for using our stuff. And she got like, a, you know what I mean? Um, but like, um, I have so many thoughts. Like, <laughs> like were men like because because like. what did maxi pads look like when they were just treating injuries because like now they look like sanitary napkins yeah but like, i'm curious like when they first made them they were like hey man you should totally use a maxi pad if you're going to war tomorrow <laughs> you know what I mean? that's like where my mind goes um okay so i looked it up and apparently it does look it doesn't fold it's just kind of like like a little pad uh <laughs> yeah it's kind of like a like a like a pad like it's not like as advanced like now with like the wings and it folds and all this shit so <laughs> yeah i mean okay well it's it's hilarious i still i still like the idea there should be a movie where the dudes just use max bags but um oh i'll i'll say to um everyone that uh my my dad is currently cutting the grass <laughs> so you might hear a lawnmower <laughs> behind me i apologize <laughs> oh yeah no worries oh do you want to talk about um when was the last time you watched this film like i know you mentioned it but um I, so i know that it was movie pass and i remember seeing it alone <laughs> vaguely i don't remember i guess um I just remember knowing that I wanted to see it. I knew that her, she, oh, good gracious, gosh. My, my dad picks the worst time to cut the grass. So, <laughs> um, so um, I guess for, um, for me, I wanted to see it because I was really into like that sort of action-y stuff. Like, I don't know if Atomic Blonde had come out yet or if it- um, No, I don't think so. It hadn't yet. Okay, so it was yeah. just it was just one of those things where I was like, yes, I just want to see like really cool stuff. I want to see women like beat up a bunch of dudes, and you know what I mean, like that sort of phase of my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I went to see it. I I think I came out of it a little. I don't know. I, I didn't I didn't expect a lot, um, and it basically delivered what I expected. <laughs> you know, it's like. I mean, she did some stuff, you know, she was she was a savvy uh, badass, but I mean, it wasn't one of those things where I was like, oh, my God, I have to see it again. So, yeah, <laughs> it was solid. It was just solid. <laughs> like that B plus that B plus was about. Yeah. Yeah. B plus. <laughs> what I think they should have gotten. Uh, but what about you? What, what, when did you see? <laughs> Tell us that story. <laughs> So I actually saw this with my grandma. Um, so whenever I come to visit, um, like usually on the weekends, um, I usually go with my grandma to the movies because she likes going to the movies. And because um, like the thing is, is that I try to pick movies where I'm like, OK, like my grandma won't get embarrassed of it. Cause I think, uh, <laughs> I think like the most, like I actually did was to take her to see the hangover, but she liked it mainly because she, she saw Ken jumping out of the trunk and also just so you guys know, she, she's Asian, she's Japanese American. So 
uh, seeing an Asian penis for the first time was very hilarious for her. <laughs> the first time she's your grandmother. <laughs> well, I mean, she 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 dates white guys. She date she was married to a white guy. Like, <laughs> okay, okay, fair. <laughs> so, so, uh, so I was like, okay, like I gotta pick something that isn't like Hangover, but it's like subtle, where it's like, okay, she won't like be embarrassed or whatever. So I'm like, okay, let's like pick Peppermint because I felt that okay, like it's not that bad. And uh, <laughs> when we went and we watched it, uh, she's one of those people that um, kind of like reacts to anything you know she's very reactive and so when like she would get hurt like my grandma was big like oh no oh god <laughs> like thinking that oh my god like she's going to die but she, i'm like grandma it's okay it, yeah it's a movie that's what you want out of a viewer it's someone who's re like very reactionary like i i love that that's great uh, yeah so just, sort of like what <gasps> no <laughs> <laughs> Those are great viewers. <laughs> Side story, I did take her to see Burn After Reading. That was like the most hilarious reaction from her. So I don't know if you saw it. Um, did you see it? Okay, so there's a scene where one of the characters gets shot and killed. And he's like in the closet. And when that the other character opens the closet he shoots the guy because like it's startled startled him and when when it happened you're like oh my god oh my god like she's like screaming in the theater like people turned around thinking that she was getting murdered <laughs> and then she's like oh my god did, she, did he get shot did he get shot and i'm like yes grandma he got shot it's like, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> he got shot. Oh God. <laughs> Is he dead? Is he dead? It's like, well, he's not getting up. So I'm pretty sure he's dead. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny. Uh, you know, she, if you, if she's going to act like that though, she should really go to like a black uh, theater, like in a black neighborhood, yeah. because all, all that they do is like, um, like scream at the screen all the time like don't go in there don't go in there so she'll be, she'll be like in good company so like if you if you if you think it's going to be a particularly like crazy movie you might want to take her to the black neighborhood yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's that that was my experience when i went oh my goodness jeanette took her grandmother to peppermint to see a lady revenge kill everyone who killed who was involved in killing her uh, yeah and in the end, she really liked it. She thought it was a great movie. I'm so glad for her. <laughs> it's still a wild story, but great. <laughs> but we established B plus, so that's fine. Yeah. Okay, uh, moving into the plot. So, <laughs> so the film. You need like a musical segment that shifts the plot, like do 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 plot <laughs> or something, like a jingle of like Jeanette just do 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 do. It's the plot time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just pitching it. I'm pitching. <laughs> uh, so uh, 
in terms of the plot, the film starts off with Riley Norris um, fighting a guy and like she's basically asking for answers. And then he's like saying, fuck you. And then she shoots him in the head and he dies. So she, excellent yeah. Start. yeah. Mm -hmm. It cuts to her returning to Skid Row where she goes to a van to mend her wounds. And while cleaning up the film flashbacks to five years where Riley and her daughter Carly are rushing back to their car at Ralph's parking lot as Peg, who's like one of the moms of this like Girl Scout um, group ish uh, with her daughter following behind. So Peg complains that they should not set up uh, where they usually set up because that's her, their spot and we already claimed it like years ago yeah yeah yada yeah i already hate pig she needs to die yeah Sorry. also her name's pig it's like just two letters from a wait no five letters from a particular activity <laughs> and what what she means by pig is like when you put the thing on and you, you peg a dude yeah your sexual intercourse or a woman I, I was thought that was pwned. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? It was called pwned. I, I just pwned him. <laughs> totally in a laugh. I'm not joking. I thought it was called pwned. I was like, so I swear they call it pwning on Broad City, but no, it was probably Peg. Peg pegged or Peg. Yeah. <laughs> uh, good times. Good times. All right, Peg. You're trying to be a bitch in like the first five minutes. Let's do this. <laughs> uh -huh. Riley apologizes and states that, oh, well, there are moms that have jobs and careers and responsibilities, to which Peg argues that Riley should be careful saying something like that. Uh, now, just so you guys know, Peg is like a typical white uh, woman from like Woodland Hills, you know? Yeah, yeah, and and like so the flashback, so the the thing has changed. Like now she's just like sort of a regular housewife, mommy, whatever. Yeah, um, like is the classic like bitchy, you know, <clears throat> um, you know, mom who thinks she's better than everybody else, you know, stepper wife type thing going on. So like the themes change. So like the first two seconds is like the dark, serious, like she's shooting people, skid real dark, and then like it shifts to five years behind where she's like everything's beautiful and sunny and rosy the the beautiful american dream of all uh, yeah. things so yeah mm -hmm. just throwing that out there yeah no worries uh so <laughs> so once uh peg and her daughter leave carly argues that riley should have punched her but then riley's like oh like we we shouldn't use violence yeah 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 um so Riley drops off Carly at her husband, Chris, uh, at his auto body shop uh, before heading to work at a local bank. However, when Riley arrives at the bank, her boss orders her to close for the day, despite her already notifying him ahead of time that she was going to leave in an hour to host a birthday party for her daughter. Uh, but her boss refuses to listen and just leaves. Um, meanwhile, Chris talks to his friend uh, who asks if uh, Chris can join him to help 
steal money from this drug cartel claiming that the money will help their family and it's kind of like a little bit of like a fast and furious like one last ride type of thing you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like one last ride it's like we're already 15 movies into this like <laughs> seriously oh man but they're, we're doing it like a theme where you know uh Riley's uh getting rid ridden roughshod. That's what my mom says. Ride roughshod it just means that like people take advantage of her and she just lets it happen. Yeah, because we're setting up for something big. Mm -hmm. He states that he'll think about it, um, and then hours later, Riley returns home only to find Carly and Chris alone. And it turns out that Pig through a last minute get together and invited all the children from the group uh, to come hang out basically preventing them from going to the party so uh knowing that she's upset uh riley and chris uh decide to take carly to a nearby fair and have some fun kind of like just like be like oh let's just like have fun together let's like eat pizza go for ice cream and then Carly agrees and they head out after Chris makes a phone call to his friend saying that he can't join him. So as the family heads out, a gang member waits in a nearby car and calls his boss saying that he found Chris. And then uh, the yeah. we're doing this. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I do have like a note about the gang members that are being portrayed here. Yes. Yeah, we're both on the same line. Okay. Uh, so the film cuts to a warehouse where Chris's friend uh, is getting beat up by Diego Garcia, the head of a drug trafficking syndicate. Uh, Diego kills Chris's friend as Riley, Chris, and Carly have fun at the fair. Um, so so apparently he kills him because he found out that he was going to plan this whole uh, stealing his money. Um, so back at uh, the fair, um, after having fun, Riley and Chris, Carly uh, go to an ice cream shop, which is kind of like a little hut in a way. Um, and then Carly gets peppermint, hence the title. <laughs> Oh yeah, she's got peppermint. It was such an original title. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's so great! <laughs> oh my goodness, I, I'm I'm chalking it up to the writing here, folks. I'm 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 laying it out early. I'm sure the directing was solid, acting was solid. It's the writing here. I'm sorry, uh, whatever the dude's name is, Saint Paul. But yeah. nope, 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 nope. <laughs> So as Chris and Carly head for the car, Riley goes back to the uh, shop to get some napkins. And as Riley turns around, she finds three men driving by and shooting Chris and Carly. Both are killed on the scene. Riley is shot in the shoulder, but she survives. Yeah, and I just feel like I need to keep because I like every time you say Carly, I think Riley. Yeah, um, which is like a poor choice in names, but um, I think uh, just so we're clear, these two uh, these gangsters, these three gangsters uh, in the car, basically just shot and killed Jennifer Gardner's husband and daughter. Mm -hmm. uh, and her daughter, how's her how, how old's her daughter in this? 
I think she's like eight. Yeah, she's a baby. So they shot and killed a baby uh, with her dad, um, which is just just the the I like my mother would never watch this. This is just most the most horrible, most ruthless like <clears throat> thing you can do. Basically, they saw this man with her daughter, and they shot they shot them both. Uh, yeah, which just so just screwed up. And and part of the reason why uh, it's it's a B plus because just just terrible. The basically Jennifer, the whole premise is that Jennifer Garner's husband and daughter are murdered by drive by Latin gangsters as we go. Yes. Setting that scene. This is what this is the movie we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm assuming it's been a month. Uh, Riley recovers at a hospital. She wakes up from an apparent coma. Uh, it doesn't really explain, but yeah. Um, so she wakes up to find Detective Stan Carmichael uh, by her bedside um, and telling her that they found uh, the three men in and they are in custody. Uh, so he reveals that Chris was in talks with a friend who planned to rob uh, Diego Garcia. And then Carmichael asks if she could stop by to identify the three men. At first, she hesitates, but when she does like a quick like flashback to the three men and like the shooting scene she changes her mind uh so then it cuts to i just another thing just real quick just yeah because i was saying because they said that her husband was planning on stealing like how realistic is that <laughs> right yeah. this like suburban like guy um you know what i mean with like a wife and child at home right is like hey this is a good idea let me go ahead and rob like a huge crime syndicate in town right yeah like what do you think was gonna happen like and i get i'm sure his friend was like like mostly involved in this endeavor but like what suburban like husband is like yeah well, this will be fine they'll they'll never suspect us <laughs> right? yeah like it's just like there wasn't like a motivation to why he needed to do this, you know, right. or even think about it. Cause like, th like you said, like they live in sub suburbia. So it's like a, usually a middle-class to upper middle-class area. And he's got an auto body shop. Right. And I mean, some they've, th it's become a little cliche with the whole like auto body shop being like, uh, like a hub for crime and illegal activity. Yeah. <laughs> Still, like, I don't know, man. Like, if you're gonna rob somebody, like, why would you pick this? <laughs> it's just like you should know that if you're going going after these folks at all, if your name dropped, if somebody came to you and was like, "Hey, bro, let's rob these guys," you're dead. Yeah, <laughs> your family's dead. Right? Like, what what on earth was he thinking? How you gonna have an eight year old daughter at home and be like, "Yeah, this seems like a good idea." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and even though he backed out, like, come on he's stupid <laughs> there's no way this would have happened in real life right no freaking way. <laughs> no and then like there is no build-up like in terms of like oh he's like behind on payments or like they're struggling oh. to get by so it's like how do we know for sure that they're struggling that yes like this would be the last minute resort type of thing you know yeah exactly know. it's like it's one thing if like you have a shop and like you're not making any business and you're about to go belly up or whatever, right? Yeah. It's a long road from that 
to robbing gangsters. Like yeah. it just, there's, and we never got that. No. We never got that at all. This is it's just, this makes no I'm like, this is the writer's fault. I'm playing, I'm blaming the writer. Yeah. Because like, it just, I, I, I can't see it. I really can't see it. No. <laughs> at all like he should have he should have started hoeing before he did all that yeah he should have done research he should... <laughs> no i'm saying hoeing he should have he should have sold that ass <laughs> before he started he tried to rob a get oh my gosh just, i can't i can't i'm sorry <laughs> just keep, you got it <laughs> so uh she goes to the police office and confirms the identities of three men so it does like a little montage of like where each men are like in a different lineup. So like one lineup comes into like, you know, like the identification room, you know, and she's, she spots one of them flashes back to like the scene of the crime. Then they leave a new group comes and it identifies the second person and so on. So yeah, she's very confident in who it was. Like she, she doesn't hesitate. She's like, it's those three dudes. Like, yeah, case closed. We're done. Those are the murderers. Let's do this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so while at lunch, Carmichael encounters Detective Beltrant, which is his older, more experienced partner. Uh, so Beltran warns him that he should not go after the cartel, especially Diego Garcia. And he does this whole like, oh, see this badge that has like a bullet hole. This was yeah. the last cop that went after Diego Garcia. <laughs> yeah. Leaning on the on the cliche a bit here with the dirty cops who are too afraid to do their jobs. Yeah. <laughs> Which is also America, but also like this this is this is this is as cliche as they come like hey, man, yeah. i don't i don't want to get caught up with the gangsters here because i because i'm a cop and they'll kill me because i'm a cop <laughs> it's like, it's like this movie is, oh my goodness can we change the, the grade <laughs> to more than i think about it's more like maybe more of a c plus <laughs> oh my gosh every gardener will do other things yeah <laughs> Uh, so Carmichael ignores him and then continues eating his Chipotle, I'm assuming. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, uh, Riley goes back to her house to finish packing up because apparently she's got this eviction notice that she's got to leave. I'm sure she does after her, sorry, ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous husband was that far down in the hole that I'm, I'm sure she's being evicted. Yeah. <laughs> like ridiculous, this guy, I swear, she just does not know how to pick him. <laughs> <laughs> While she's packing up, um, she kind of like remembers like her daughter Car Carly when she holds this reindeer toy um and then she hears someone come into her house and it's this guy in a suit uh which he's only shown in this scene and then like the next scene and then you never hear from him again again what the yep. fuck i know like he's not a significant uh presence he's just sort of like to establish something 
and the, the dude's just extra creepy like as yeah. as like, grimy and slimy as you can think like dude walks up in her house doesn't he doesn't even like he just sort of walks in right he doesn't knock or anything right no he just like enters like the side door yeah by the is, kitchen as straight white male as you can think like he's just sort of like i'm entitled to be here <laughs> you know? and just rolls up into her house this traumatized woman he's like i'm just gonna go ahead and let myself in <laughs> So, so he gets in there and he's like, oh, just want to let you know, I'm really sorry about what happened to your family. Like, that's like so devastating. Yeah, yeah, yada. And then he's like, but um, if you could just like not say anything in the trial, that would be great. And then he kind of like pushes this like wad of money and this small envelope, like manila envelope. And then she's like, no, I refuse. And yeah, like get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> yeah. And then like he does this thing where he notices the medication on the counter, which again it's like like it's right there. She didn't hide it or put it in like the bathroom area. She like has it right there. I mean, yeah, but it's still her house. Like she yeah. can put it wherever the hell she pleases. <laughs> he shouldn't have walked in her house. Like come on. <laughs> yeah. So he's he's basically like, oh, like these are psychotic medication. It's like, oh, you know, try and make a point about like, oh, like she's paranoid or some shit. But she's not credible when the time comes. She's not gonna be credible. Yeah. He's trying to say he's like, I'm going to undermine your ability to get these dudes put in jail. That's what that's totally what she, he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, it immediately moves to the court date uh, the next day where uh, Garner is at the stand testifying about uh, the scene. And she gets interviewed by the same guy that came into her house without knocking. (laughs) that, That makes sense. Yeah. That totally makes sense. So a lawyer basically showed up at her house to bribe her in order to to change her statement about his horrible murderer clients. Yeah. <laughs> and then conveniently becomes the same exact dude who questions her on the stand later, um, just so that he can use that psychotic medication. I swear, like, I feel like at some point we should do a thing where we're like, okay, who ruined this movie? <laughs> just do a segment on like, who ruined this movie? <laughs> Yeah, maybe we could do it after after I tell the plot. <laughs> well, yeah, sure, sure. I know we're in plot mode, plot mode. <laughs> it's like, but I just mean like the writer, whatever his name is. Like, we should just be like, okay, so this Chad St. John was born. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's just how I'm feeling at the moment. <laughs> Go ahead. While she's on the stand, he basically asks her a bunch of these questions that's kind of like a yes or no answer. Like she can't really explain her answer. And it gets to the point where basically ruins her as a credible witness. And as a result, the judge throws the case out because there's no point in having this trial if the only witness that's there is not even credible. Uh, so she becomes upset, which I could totally understand. And like, it's like, no, like they killed my you know, family 
and then literally jumps out of her seat and tries to attack the three men but she gets um taken down by uh the bailiff and multiple officers and gets tased and the judge sentenced her to a psych ward for evaluation however once she um is taken to an ambulance detective carmichael orders the medics to remove the restraints and to kind of let her be yeah and he yeah, and then he tries to call someone, but that's when Riley picks up one of these heavy oxygen tanks and hits him in the head, knocking him down, and she escapes. Yeah, which is which is, is lovely, you know. Um, I think, uh, well, for one, I'm not convinced that that's how, re- like, realistic protocol is. Like, one in the courtroom just... One, first of all, this one woman lost her whole family, right? Yeah. And the judge just threw out the case over one like like shoddy questioning process, right? And then she's like, absolutely not, let's not do this. No one's objecting. And so she jumps for them. That does not make her psychotic. That makes her a, a mother, first of all. <laughs> That's yeah. not enough to send someone to a psych ward, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> Too, okay like just just poking holes through this whole story you can't like you said it's a very heavy oxygen tank this woman is like five four like a hundred and five pounds soaking wet there's no way she's picking up a big ass oxygen tank <laughs> yeah. like she does not have that big of a muscle she's not Dwayne the rock johnson she's not and i'm sure he'd have trouble too yeah because <laughs> there's still oxygen tanks um yeah so um the, and and then just like uh carmichael like i get that he's supposed to whoa, <laughs> I get that he's supposed sorry when <laughs> oh, the cabinet doors closed and i was like oh oh my goodness <laughs> the sound effects on this episode are gonna be sick oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah and then like um carmichael's like oh i really feel bad for you he's riding in the ambulance with her which isn't protocol and then he's like everybody unshackle her because even though she just had a psychotic break she'll be fine (laughs) just just like the the liberties taken with this film are a trip (laughs) you could tell that this writer did not do his research like no no he did not i'm also curious if he's um american because i feel like there were just a lot of american protocols that weren't taken into account when doing going through the justice system um, with this because he just doesn't seem like um he has like just the the basic know-how of somebody who understands the american court system yeah 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 um i have no idea <laughs> yeah chad st john um i'm gonna go ahead and assume that he's like british <laughs> or something yeah one or had never been around like a woman before that's also a possibility <laughs> who knows <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's pretty evident from this that he doesn't <laughs> yeah i think like he he might be british um i wouldn't be surprised because he does not understand he does it, it doesn't appear that he understands and and also all the americans that read this were like that's fine sure that can happen because <laughs> they yeah. don't know they're not experts yeah sure yeah no that's exactly how it works see (laughs) 
The film cuts to present day where Carmichael, now an alcoholic and like more of a scraggly beard and messy hair, uh, arrives at the scene with Beltran to find three men hanging upside down on the Ferris wheel. They soon realize that the three men are the men that were arrested uh, and let go for the drive-by shooting of Chris and Carly's death. Which, in my opinion, like, when, because it's been five years, and they probably dealt with so many cases that I'm kind of surprised that they remember this. I don't know. What do you think? Meaning the cops or the... The, the cops. Uh, I'm sure they did. I mean, you, that's not something you uh, kind of gloss over. Or is that if a woman, first of all, I feel like a woman who loses her family is not is memorable, right? But then also too, she escaped, Yeah. right? <laughs> so it's like, you don't really forget stuff like that. Um, like, uh, I feel like if she escaped, I'd always be like, hmm, I wonder where that lady who knocked me out <laughs> with, you know what I mean? But I'm more interested in like, I would have loved to see the process of her tying these dudes up and hanging them from <laughs> to fair. Oh, that would, <laughs> what if she dropped one of them? It's like, God damn, I got to Well, no, no. Okay, don't forget, this is a wheel, man. We can, she can tie them at the bottom. <laughs> They can just be laying there. She get a rope, tie them up, and then turn the Ferris wheel on and swing them over, right? I'm just curious to know. Like, I would have loved to have seen that. <laughs> that would have been funny. They would be like swinging. Oh my gosh, we we should be committed. <laughs> but, no, but that would be funny if she did think that through and then just got a forklift. I think. I think she. I think. I'm. I believe that she's smarter than. Well, obviously she is, but like, I believe she's smarter than people give her credit for. You know what I mean? Like the fact that like, ha like housewife knocks somebody out with an oxygen tank, that's not someone who didn't think through things, you know? Because yeah. I would have been like, how dare you? <laughs> Just swinging my hands and slapping people in the face. So <laughs> she's clearly got some savvy. Yeah, I think I would be the one person that gets the forklift and it's like, <laughs> Right. Yeah. No, I totally would have had one dude on my back and trying to climb up the top. <laughs> like we invite Elise. It's like, hey, Elise, can you help us? Yeah. 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 Just have like a bunch of our friends like, hey, hold this dude while I climb up this whole Ferris wheel by myself. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're the idiots over here. The morons. We're not as we're not as smart as uh, Riley here. <laughs> Uh, so soon FBI becomes involved and they send agent Lisa Inman. Uh, so she argues that Riley stole 50,000 from the bank that she worked at on the night she disappeared. And she has also been seen in other parts of the world training or gathering ammo and supply or like training other training uh, before arriving back to America three months prior. So I would say to like, just whenever the FBI shows up, it's usually like a bad thing. Like um, whenever there's a cop show, cause I watch a lot of cop shows and like, whenever the FBI comes, everyone's like, oh, the FBI. <laughs> They're usually the ball busters in, uh, in a story. Yeah. So her being like the FBI coming, I'm sure she's just like, like not 
somebody that Carmichael wants to be working with. Yeah. Uh, it sort of puts like another pressure on him. Now that you mentioned it, I thought it was a bit weird that they didn't react about the fact that the FBI was getting involved, you know? Like, I felt like that it, yeah. it was like, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. You know, like, it wasn't like, oh, like, we got to deal with these idiots, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm because she, like, was gone, like, internationally and then sort of returned, I can see why the FBI was there. But usually local cops are, like, pissed that FBI shows up. Yeah. So, um, but usually there, there's, there's a reason um, why they're there that just makes everybody upset. There's some element of it that's like, actually, this is FBI jurisdiction. Everyone's like, oh, you know? So, <laughs> so her being there is not, is not a good thing. <laughs> no. Uh, so it cuts back to Riley, who finds the judge uh, from the trial and tie, ties him down in his home office. Uh, she offers to let him go if he knows and tells her her name and he doesn't remember and basically she nails his hands to the desk and then wraps him around with explosive cable and sets up a device where if she calls this particular number the bomb will be will set off mm -hmm. uh so she uh makes a speech she takes a toy that resembles the reindeer toy from Carly's and then leaves, goes on the bus, calls the number and then explodes the entire house or part of the house. And yeah, and just so we're clear, like there, there was not enough, like the judge wasn't there enough, right? Like mm -hmm. realistically, they should have shot a different scene where we could see the judge so that we sort of hated the judge too. Yeah, um, we did not get that. It was very much the judge just making like a rash decision, like, oh, she's, you know, they're they're set free. But judges do dick moves like that all the time, right? Yeah. We should have had another scene so that when she murdered him this brutally, it would have been like, yeah, he deserves to die. <laughs> we <didn't> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because like usually they talk to the you know attorney general and like the defense attorney like beforehand, like you know, it would have been interesting to see that happening to where maybe the defense attorney was like, hey, like, can you like, you know, be easy on us type of thing? Or, yeah, or like a like a crooked, like a crooked situation where like you get like a hallway shot and the defense attorney, the, the sketchy one that was trying to, you know, bribe her off mm -hmm. uh, is coming out of the judge's office and they're shaking hands, they're pals. Maybe the the defense attorney sent gives him some money or gives him something like offhanded and she catches that you know then it would have been like okay yeah that judge sucks you know what i mean yeah but it's the judge making dumb decisions right and so i felt like that was a missed beat that wasn't included in the final i'm sure it was in the original um yeah. script but like wasn't included in the final film so her just sort of picking off everybody it didn't feel as warranted it didn't I mean? feel like that there was a purpose for killing him or a reason. Right. It just felt like that because he was there that she wanted yeah. to kill him. Yeah, like he was involved that that's how that happened. But I feel like judges don't forget the times they were crooked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so, just, I don't 
don't know. I I think uh, even though her the way she murdered him was wild, and I loved it. It it gave me like um, that movie with Denzel Washington and Dakota Fanning. Oh, uh, uh, Man on Fire. Yeah, it gave me Man on Fire vibes. I love that movie. So, that was <laughs> tough, but like it also it almost felt like she was killing him just to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Lisa and the cops are informed of the explosion while they're in the meeting, and they're uh, they are informed that the attorney involved in the trial was also found dead in a pool. Which again, like they just mentioned, but never show yeah, it. Yeah, and I feel like they should have flipped those right, and like she should have murdered the attorney. Yeah, the way she murdered the judge, and then had the oh, and actually the judge died too. Yeah. <laughs> Because at least the attorney had two seats. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was just off the rails. <laughs> uh, so at Diego's hideout, he is informed by his henchman that Riley is back and he orders his men to wipe her out. And it jumps back to Riley, who's riding on the bus and mistakens a boy to be her daughter. She gives him the toy, the toy that she stole from the judge's house. But when she noticed that his father is an alcoholic and kind of being mean to him, she decides to attack him at a liquor store and orders him not to drink again. And then she takes the cashier's car after ordering him not to sell anything to the guy. And yeah, that. Woof, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> yeah it was kind of like a weird because i was like should i add this like i'm well, like i mean you should definitely bring light to it but they're just throwing all kinds of stuff in there just opening a can of worms with just random stuff i'm like yeah. you focused on the goal girl you got a lot of people to kill just come on like yeah terrible father sure but like good god like there's so many other dudes that could that scene could have been about killing the lawyer yeah <laughs> Okay. See now, now you can have both the judge and the attorney, minus this whole like character development, quote unquote. I'm sure, that was character development. <laughs> like I don't know if I would call it that. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so she travels to. I'm assuming it's the fashion district of downtown LA, and then she acts as a homeless person, like pushing a car. And breaks into one of Diego's spots where he keeps his money laundering. So she kills everyone except this one guy, which I think he's like second or so in command of Diego. And he uses him to go back to Diego and inform him that she burned all of his money. Yeah. And that's that's probably pretty solid. Like she dismantling his business, that's a good call as yeah. far as like what she's going for. She's like, I don't want some other guy to rise up and sort of, you know, uh basically, you know, capitalize on all the murders you've done, including my husband and, and daughter. Yeah. So I can see why like burning the money was a was a was a good move for mm -hmm. her. And smart, like that's what I'm saying. Like we could not pull this off. No. <laughs> smart <laughs> we'll be like wait a minute how did i turn off the safety of this gun <laughs> that, among other things i feel like i'd be like he probably makes money right like maybe we should do something about that oh we would never get that far <laughs> you know? I, don't, 
I think we will stop at the checkpoint of the entrance. For sure. For sure. Like, the, oh, crap, the door's locked. I guess we're not doing this. <laughs> Lisa and Carmichael head to the sector, which basically has a software that searches for spike in crime of the city. Okay. And, yeah, it was very weird because, like, he was like, oh, yeah, like, well, we can detect, like, all the reports and, like, see a spike and crime. It was very dumb. Um, so the guy fails to find anything. Um, but the guy mentions that Riley has a large amount of support on social media. And, then, like, all of a sudden you have, like, a bunch of, like, Twitter posts popping up on this government on this like government property <laughs> which is like shouldn't that be like ex- you know not you know acceptable at a job like this this is this whole process is very shoddy i'll say yeah. uh, i these cops <laughs> it's like the whole thing it's just like oh my gosh i, I feel like the first thing you do is like has um there been any trouble with any of the people who did her dirty back in the day and if yeah. there were that's where you go you don't like oh where's the software oh, let's look on social media like come on man it's not that hard it is not that hard it's not that complicated no <laughs> you know, if i was carmichael i'd be like i know she's not big with the diego what's his name like what's going on with his his uh, business right now that's yeah. where i go first <laughs> Uh, so Lisa then notices that Skid Row has no crime and it's completely like clear, has no dots of any sorts or different colors. It's like completely, you know, normal. Uh, so it turns out that crime stopped three months ago when Riley arrived. And then they kind of put two and two together being like, oh, maybe she lives there, which is weird also, you know that, like skid row is a good cover because no one pays attention to skid row like realistically no one's yeah. gonna be like, oh the crime fell in skid row <laughs> no i mean like literally they they basically it's an area where they just allow homeless people to live there yeah. and i think that anything they don't they're like police are like light in there like the, oh yeah uh, they basically they yeah. don't even streets there um in skid row yeah um, they basically just yeah, like if like they see a homeless person step out of Skid Row, they basically push them back in. Like right. they, they're like, no, you gotta go here. Yeah, that's, so that was, that, that was a good cover, right? But like, what I'm saying is, I I'm not convinced that you said Lisa noticed. Like, yeah, that like realistically, she would have never noticed because no. people don't look at Skid Row at all. You no. know, so like, oh crap, we the police don't have to go to Skid Row. Awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, there's no way she would have noticed that. That doesn't make any sense. No. No. Riley heads to Diego's hideout. Um, However, when she gets there, uh, she finds out that his men set up a trap. And basically, the whole warehouse blows up. uh, But Riley manages to escape through the sewage um, area. I have no idea how, but she escaped. For some yeah, reason, he just blew up his own hideout. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, right. <laughs> you're doing a bang up job, Mr. Gangster. <laughs> yeah, 
not that like he probably has been doing this for 15 or so years like it feels like that he started the night her daughter got killed (laughs) yeah he's like okay i am in charge of this (laughs) yeah just goodness gracious (laughs) uh so uh once she gets out of the sewage like manhole uh she she gets stopped by this guy in a bmw sedan and he's like oh are you okay like is everything okay which also it's like i don't think a white guy in a bmw is gonna stop and try and make sure that this woman who just came out of a manhole is fine yes and are they still in skid row i don't think that they're in skid row i think they're just like in another part of downtown la yeah Okay, yeah. I mean, I feel like BMW guys not checking for for manhole covers, but maybe she was good looking. He's like, oh, a good looking woman that I can clean and bathe and have sex with. Let me see if she's okay. (laughs) I feel like that could happen. Sleazy dudes. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe he didn't see Gone Girl. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) While he's calling the police or something, she basically just goes into his car and then drives away because he had the door stupidly wide open with the car keys inside yep that is certainly convenient yeah uh so she drives and tracks down the two men and by now they're on maholland drive so she uh manages to get ahead of them and blocks the road with the car and they stop and then she secretly like tur- you know comes around the corner of the car and shoots them yeah so lisa drives to skid row and spots riley's van uh she notices that the homeless people admire riley and even painted a mural up for her uh <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah they, they went out of their way to buy spray paint so they could paint a mural for the white lady who saved them from crime yeah mm-hmm. okay that that sure checks out okay sure sure yeah and then also i want to note that there are these two kids that are in this homeless campment and throughout the film they come in every now and then but again it's like a character that doesn't have a real purpose yeah there are a lot of elements of this that don't like come back into play yeah um so so, that's why i didn't mention the homeless kids but i just want to let everyone know that there's there's, homeless kids there's some some homeless kids that uh are don't appear to be necessary to the story but it seemed to keep popping up yeah it's like okay great So she goes and calls Carmichael to inform him the news and her findings. And then it cuts back to Diego's mansion in the uh, Mulholland Drive area. Diego's men's car arrives and and it's like set up in a way where uh, Riley is behind the truck and (laughs) has like a silence like rifle in a way and basically kills people as the car goes down the driveway basically and i think think that they are 
underestimating like i feel like if a little white woman right was going through skid row going through diego's mansion right which is probably full of latin folks because yeah. we have we've never actually addressed the fact that they're doing this whole ooh latin crime syndicate crap yeah <laughs> like, just just so disrespectful to latin people but like she she's not blending into stuff like that little no. white ladies on the street little white ladies around crime syndicates for you know latin folks they're not, that's, people should see, like, would know, like, hey, guys, look at that little white lady. That You're not blending in. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, and they're just, they're just acting like, oh, she just puts a little dirt on her face and wears a wig. Like, she'll be good. No one will notice her. And that's just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, we'll, we'll talk about it. <laughs> the same thing with the, the, what, what we the other movie we did um <laughs> she just she just put a little dirt on her face and put a wig on and then she blended in and i'm like this is the most ridiculous thing ever and peppermint is doing it too yeah <laughs> my rights <laughs> after she miraculously breaks into this mansion uh she basically kills most of diego's men and she manages to get to diego asking for justice because like of course a, a woman who's trying to get vigilante would stop and ask the guy a question sure yeah sure there's no i mean like the her jennifer garner i really like her fight work because it's realistic like she fights like a woman like it's not one of those like superhuman ability things like Charlie Theron does where normally where it's just sort of like I have superhuman strength. I can punch you. I can, do, you know, she's savvy, right? Yeah. And so, realistically, she should have been like worn down after killing all those dudes in that house, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it kind of makes sense for her to stop and talk, you know. But like, also, <laughs> right? Like, it's just, yeah. It's like, you need to take every moment you can and just take out as many dudes as you can, because you're. There's no way that realistically, there's no way you're getting out of this alive. <laughs> no so so like, just, let's talk about this <laughs> like come on yeah so as as she's like talking to this guy and is about to shoot him in the head suddenly again another character that just shows up his daughter arrives Mm -hmm. and riley becomes distracted because of course the daughter looks like carly sure uh, yeah and then this causes Diego to stab riley in the stomach and flee the house with the rest of his men and yeah. riley makes it out by rolling down the hill um before authorities arrive that's her weakness though children who could look like her daughter yeah a, Any, boy, a couple of girls yeah and it doesn't have to be a white white uh child it doesn't have to be a girl it yeah. could be a boy yeah just i think she's just, her weakness is is children yeah <laughs> the general children the big c <laughs> that's not right that's not right at all i'm sorry i did not mean that before i said it <laughs> no it's the big K, the big K. Let's do that one. <laughs> That's slightly less horrible. 
than the big C. Oh god. The big C being cancer, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a show um after it. <laughs> right. Or chlamydia, that's also a big C. Oh yeah, the clap. Yeah. The clap. That's gonorrhea, that's not chlamydia. I thought it was I I thought it was chlamydia. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. The clap is gonorrhea. <laughs> You know, God. Like, right? Wait a second. Right? Like when 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 guys would go to war and like have like probably rape like the women in that country yeah. that were fighting in, they'd come back with chlamydia sometimes. And the way to test for chlamydia is like they whip their dick out, right? And the doctor who's treating them, they have he has to slap their dick, right? They'll go he goes like this. <laughs> And depending on what comes out, he'll be like, oh, you've got you've got gonorrhea. <laughs> That's why they call it the clap. Oh, God. Someone has to clap on your dick in order to figure out if you have it. <laughs> they don't do it anymore, but that's what they do. Oh, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they don't do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I learned that in school. <laughs> no, because, like, I, I always thought that chlamydia was the clap because, like, I felt that because, like, the pussies would, you know, <laughs> close up. No. <laughs> No, it's more of a medical thing. <laughs> but that's an interesting one. <laughs> I mean, the more you know, you know, the more you know. The more you know. <laughs> sponsored by NBC. <laughs> and AMC, because I still want that thing. Yes, AMC too. Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy. Okay. What movie are we doing again? Peppermint. Peppermint. Because the girl likes Peppermint. An oh, hour and a half ago. Okay. Oh boy. I'm assuming an hour later, Riley arrives at Pig's house and Pig opens the door without even looking at her ring device or even her like i you know viewer oh yeah the the like the little view thing on the door yeah <laughs> it just opens the door everyone can tell now that neither one of us live in houses <laughs> yeah the little view thing in the doorway <laughs> you know like that rich people have <laughs> that little thing that the that, that, that tiny window <laughs> oh boy uh, so she opens the door and without hesitation, Riley punches Pig in the face, knocking her out. <laughs> and then Riley goes to Pig's bathroom and mends her stab wounds with a maxi pad. Sure. Brought to you by always. <laughs> always. We'll always be there for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, is it maxi pad an actual brand though? <laughs> Uh, I think so. I yeah, think so it's Maxi Pad brought to you by Maxi Pad. <laughs> they always we're throwing them out there. Stay free. Brought to you by Stay Free. <laughs> Stay clear and free. Oh my god! Wait, why is she at Peg's house at all? <laughs> I have no idea. I guess like she figured like okay, like the place that probably has the cleanest bathroom is probably Peg's house. 
She's in freaking LA. She could have gone to anybody's house and done that. Why did she pick Peg's house? Does she does Peg live live near Diego, or is Peg on her list? I have no idea. Like, Peg doesn't have anything to do with her 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 daughter getting killed, right? So no. she's like, hey, Peg's in the area. I hate that bitch, and I've always wanted to punch her. Let me go and handle two things at once, or kill two birds with one stone, right? Yeah, that's gotta be. They don't explain why she's at Peg's house. No, she just shows up. <laughs> That's oh my god, St. Paul. What's his name? St. Thomas. What St. Saint... John. St. John. Ah, <laughs> oh, St. John. <laughs> uh, so uh, after she mends herself, uh, she goes uh, to the kitchen where Peg is tied up, like on this bar stool, sure. and it's like weird because like the bar stool is shaped to where pig could just wiggle herself out of the you know bondage um yeah. yeah uh so though pig tries to be better than riley riley mentions that she knows that her husband left her like i think last year or something and <laughs> yeah it's weird it's just like a weird like moment and then she's like oh i'm gonna burn your house down with you in it and then Peg is like freaking the fuck out. And it's like, oh my God, no, don't kill me. I'm a And then Riley's like, I'm just joking. Jesus, I'm just going to take your car. And then she does. She takes her car. Oh my goodness. This is just insane. <laughs> it's been too long since I've seen this movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. But I feel like, um, I feel like Mr. St. John, um, like I'm not convinced that this this was probably his first movie. Like I know you said that it wasn't, but just the way that this is just put together, like there's no way that this isn't his first the first movie he wrote. Like maybe he came back later and was like, "Hey, remember the first movie I wrote? I want to make this." I mean, <laughs> like this this was technically his third script that he wrote. So allegedly, allegedly, thing, right? This this feels like a starter script. This is this is um this is wild. Like there was no Peg did not need to be in this at all, at all. So no. there was there was no reason for her to be here. No. Anyway, <laughs> back at Diego's house, Beltran can't seem to find Carmichael. He keeps calling him, no response. Even Method Man, a member from the Wu Tang Clan, who is also there, has also tried to reach out for Carmichael. And Beltran as Method Man? No, Method Man as another cop. That, oh, okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, you, you were like Method Man. I was like, I don't remember Method Man, the Method Man being in this movie. <laughs> but you mean like Method Man playing a cop? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, it was just funny because like it I think it was like on Wikipedia, it was like Method Man was in this. And I was like, oh, okay, like <laughs> up in all kinds of stuff that's not like new i was just curious like what you meant but it's like yeah no is on the investigation <laughs> like he's like the neighbor is like hey i just like heard like a bunch of like shooting happening what's going on <laughs> you guys need help i can call carmichael if you want <laughs> i got on speed dial <laughs> he's been to my house a few times <laughs> okay got it uh so 
he so Beltran even asked Method Man, who has also reached out to him. And then Beltron started to notice something, thinking that Carmichael might be behind this crime. <laughs> so, mean, yeah. So, meanwhile, Carmichael goes to Skid Row where he meets up with Lisa. And then Lisa, like, tells him, like, oh, I found uh, Riley's van and it's unlocked with a bunch of guns. It's like, why would she do this? And then she's like, okay, let's like, let's do stakeout. Let's have cameras like all over the place. And she's like planning this out and telling him all this stuff. And Carmel's like, yeah, yeah, sure. And basically waits until she finished making her speech and making, you know, her plan and just takes out her, his gun and shoots her and takes, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then he takes her body to a nearby dumpster, which just so happens to be still empty or half empty. Um, and just just dispose her in there and then throws her gun in one of like the carts that are nearby. Mm-hmm. And this is also happening around the time that the two homeless kids like witness everything. And okay. again, so so Carmichael's dirty, mm-hmm. clearly. Yeah. But was he dirty back then? Say again? Was he dirty back then? Because he let her free. He let her go free. Well, so, I, I think... Uh, between then and now? Is that what we're saying? No, I think, like, he probably was dirty even, like, during, like, the drive-by shooting. Because I think he tries to get close to um, Briley... Because I think he was going to kill her. Because I think he went to okay. make that phone call. And I think it was to notify Diego that, oh, like, he has her. You know? Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Oh, goodness. That's not what I expected. <laughs> <laughs> Again. I don't it, think I interpreted that way back then. Yeah. Uh, at the time. <laughs> I, thought, I, mean, I thought he got flipped. <laughs> Yeah, well, because, like, I think it was just kind of, like, weird, like, in the beginning when he's, like, just, like, always with Riley all the time. So I'm like, okay, like, he probably has something to do with this. And then, like, it turns out, yeah, he's part of the crime, stupid, like, bad cop vibe. It's just because Diego had everybody else in his pocket. I didn't realize that he also had Carmichael, which is when he sort of, like unshackled her because i thought that because like if you're gonna kill somebody you don't unshackle them right you know and so like because they were like everyone take off this shackle she's fine and then she was able to knock him out if you're gonna kill somebody you don't like let's take off their handcuffs so they have so they can be unbound as i murder them you know yeah that's where my mind goes <laughs> yeah and then also i think like looking back at like that one scene where Beltran is warning him not to go after the drug cartel, that I think his reaction was like, yeah, it seems like a bit weird that he didn't, you know, have like a word face or it's like, oh, like maybe I should rethink it. Yeah. So who knows? Right. <laughs> Only um, Chad St. John would know. <laughs> and I, I bet he doesn't either. Yeah. I think he's <laughs> like, oh, I don't remember that. Wait, I, I wrote that scene? What's going I, on? I was in high school. I have no idea what happened. 
that was when I was high and I, I thought I was so cool. Someone else write it and I just put my name on it. <laughs> AKA, please like uh, hire us. Like don't, don't, oh, don't yeah. blacklist well, us. Honestly, Chad St. John, feel free to not hire me at all. But like, um, but anyway, no, I'm talking, I'm talking to the other people who may be listening. Like, well, yeah, no, no. love and respect for the Hollywood, Hollywood in general. Like, yeah, yeah. Solid, yeah. Solid people. So Chad St. John, kick rocks. You know, just kick rocks. Yeah. <laughs> or just, you know, write a better movie. Then we can talk. Let's yeah. See. And maybe, maybe take a couple more classes. I don't know. Yeah. Just, you know, just reevaluate the movie you wrote um, that was not good enough for Jennifer Garner. Yes. Yeah. There you go. We covered our bases. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> uh, so Riley arrives back at Skid Road. And notices Diego and his men ordering, like, all the homeless people out of the area. Uh, still injured, Riley heads to a nearby warehouse where she kind of dozes off. And then this is when her daughter arrives, you know, walking and everything, and tells her that she needs to get up. And then... Because her, her daughter's dead, guys. Yeah. Your head. Yeah, she says, "Mom, you need to get up." I think it was kind of a a little bit of a dumb move to go to sleep nearby where they're you know clearing yeah. things out. But she she's probably not thinking straight because she just got shot and you know, yeah, much peg and she was going through sewers and stuff. So like she's not in a clear headspace. Yeah. Uh, so just then, Diego's men arrive at the warehouse that she's in, and then after killing a couple of the men, including uh, one of the henchmen. She takes a break and stops by the dumpster, only to hear Lisa's phone ringing. And she notices that Lisa's phone is going off the hook because her partner and Beltron and Method Man are trying to reach out to her, as well as trying to reach out to Carmichael. And then this is when she thinks of a great idea. So she decides to go up on the rooftop of the warehouse and FaceTime a nearby news channel to notify the police and the people to show up at Skid Row and to watch the show. And while she's, you know, making that announcement, Beltron notices it back at the office and is like, oh, we know where she is. We got to go, you know, and takes probably Method Man and the FBI <laughs> agent guy. <laughs> It's just name drop method method man whenever possible. <laughs> yeah. Well, I forgot his his character's name, and I'm like, yeah, I just know him as Method Man. Yeah, I think he just likes acting. He he'll do basically anything you offer yeah. him. So, yeah. Also, I can't get over the fact that this Beltran. It makes me think that he's some sort of a transformer. You know, <laughs> I don't know why, but I every time you say Beltran, I'm like, hmm, is he gonna like transform into like an Autobot or something or? <laughs> What is it? The, the Negatron? What was the bad guys? Ne the Negatron? I, no, I think, I think it's right. Megatron. Yeah. 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 Some evil guy with. Yeah. It's just it's just a weird name. It's a weird name. <laughs> I mean, one of my friends is named Beltron. Like, that's her last name. So. And she sounds like a Transformer. It doesn't change because she's <laughs> friends with you. <laughs> Uh, so after she makes that speech, uh, Diego threatens to shoot one of the kids. And this is when, like, the kid becomes important. 
and then this is when Riley surrenders and it's so funny because he's like I'm going to count to 10 or something and I'm like you couldn't do three like because he's like one Real two count to three ten. yeah four and then on the fifth second she's like okay I'll I, I give up I'll, I'll come I'll come down <laughs> oh my goodness I feel like real villains don't count at all they're like I'm going to kill her now yeah uh or it'll just be like one and then shoot her no count at all i think that's no count at all it means if you count you're bluffing yeah that's just a rule of thumb for everyone who watches movies if you if the guys if the bad guy starts counting he's bluffing yeah because he's not going to do it no like what if like he passes 10 and then he's like 11 12 well, yeah, no, then it's just a comedy like 10.5 <laughs> it's just humorous uh so riley walks down downstairs and meets up with diego and kind of i'm assuming she's just kind of like buying time um before authorities show up and she kind of like mocks him it's like oh like that wasn't that good of a hit like you could you could hit harder and you know he's trying to punch her he punches her in like the um side where she got injured and then um you know she keeps like going keeps like nagging him and then the police show up (laughs) finally with like a bunch like yeah with like bells and whistles you got the helicopter you got like a bunch of vans showing up you have beltron also there and as everyone notices the police and they scatter uh diego sees carmichael be like oh i'm the police and he like brings up his badge and is like oh i'm the police i'm police please don't shoot me and then diego's like oh you traitor thinking that he was the one that you know set up the uh you know he called the cop yeah Yeah. and so he basically you know shoots him and you know runs into a kind of like a homeless encampment area yeah that's dumb though why like even if you're like you like i feel like it's dumb to shoot a cop in front of cops yeah any instance like you're just looking for them to come after you full force. Yeah, because like also wouldn't like the cops just immediately shoot him because he he shot like yeah, I don't yeah, Also, Diego's brown. He's yeah. not getting out of there alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not at all. Uh so Riley follows him into the encampment and then finds him, knocks him down, um and holds him at gunpoint. Like he, she literally has a gun straight at his forehead and she's about to shoot him promising that yes, like she is going to shoot him in the head, no matter what. And then as she's about to shoot him, Beltran arrives with a couple of police officers uh, telling her that killing him is not the answer and that he, that she should just allow them to arrest him so he could go to prison for life. But then Diego's like, oh, I'm going to get lesser sentence than you. And she refuses and shoots him in the head as she promised that she will. Yeah, she should. Never back down on that shit. No. No. 
And because she shot him, the police then all of a sudden have trigger fever and start shooting her. And when he shot Carmichael. Yeah. And then (laughs) and then Belgian is like, hold your fire, hold your fire. And Riley escapes. She makes it out. Uh, but she's still injured because she got shot. Um, and then everyone's like, oh, where would she be? Like, like this was her hideout. And Bachelon says, like, oh, I know where she would be. And they go to the cemetery where Riley sits next to Chris and Carly's grave. And he gets there right. Like, I guess, like, she makes, like, a, like a comment. And then she faints from the loss of blood. and then after some time unsure of how many weeks or days it's been riley wakes up in the hospital at this time she is going to be tried for the crimes that she did uh for the murders and you know like all the stuff that she did Uh, (laughs) yeah basically the movie movie. (laughs) yeah and Beltran visits visits her at the hospital and he makes a speech that like he doesn't think that she deserves to be punished for the crimes that she did and he felt that her uh her actions were justified and then he bids her good luck and leaves but he leaves a key um behind and she takes the key unlocks her handcuffs to the hospital bed and leaves and that's that's the end of the film that's the end of the film (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right and it was kind of like the same thing as the rhythm section where it was like hinting of like a possible sequel but that didn't happen it yeah i mean that's that's unlikely at this point um yeah no she's i mean she was um I don't know about that. I I feel like I don't think she went into it thinking that, you know, she should be free. I think she was like, I need to get revenge and that then my life is over. Yeah. So him letting her go seems a little stupid. You know what I mean? Like just that that felt like a convenient play where they were like, um, you know, let me go ahead and just go against the whole system of, you know, crime and government. And just leave my handcuff key for this woman who killed, even though they all deserved it. She killed like a good 50 dudes. <laughs> yeah, she like killed like almost 100 people. Right. Like, I mean, at the very least, she should have gotten like an assault charge for punching pay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is just stupid. Like, they, he, no one even asked, like, why'd you punch pay? <laughs> It's like, I don't know. I remember five years ago, Carly told me that I should have punched her. And I was just making that promise. Yeah. Because she's a straight up bitch. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, like I wanted to talk about, uh, I guess I want to first talk about the uh, representation and the imagery that they put uh, for the gang members. Like, Go for it. Oh, you mean? Oh, you want me to do it? <laughs> I mean, you could you could go first. Like, I, I was going to allow the guests go first, but I could go first if you want. Um, yeah, go for it. Yeah, cause like I, cause I mean, I'm part Mexican, 
American. And uh, yeah, I felt that the way that they represented the gang members, it was very stereotypical. You have like these guys that have like an accent, which I'm like, okay, let's be honest. I'm again, Mexican American and I don't have an accent. And I get it that there are Latin Americans you know, here in LA and other parts of America that do have an accent, but it's just, you know, you know, it's just like very stereotypical that's like, oh yeah, like they're all tough. And then like, like the way that they sound is, you know, like I, like, I just don't think that not everyone who is Latin American would have an accent, you know what I mean? And I yeah, also because they're just making the assumption that these people are like from um, like a Latin country and sort of came here and started doing crime, which is sort of exactly what, you know, certain populations of people in America assume. So uh, I don't I never appreciate like the thick accented like Latin person uh, who's probably putting it on like I'm sure that none of them have real accents in, in real life no I mean I think that they may have an accent but I feel like that it, it just kind of felt like oh okay like you guys are supposed to be bad guys we want you to emphasize your accents right but no I'm saying like because if you think about stuff like because I know that that's how they depict like Nigerian Americans like yeah on an accent and that's not they're just they're just trying to imitate their parents in order to get this role but yeah. they don't actually have accents and i wouldn't be surprised if they did the same thing um for latin american um you know folks on on television and film to just make because you're basically what they're doing is they're trying to scare americans about the idea of people immigrating from latin american countries so yeah. they they say have this thick ass accent we'll give you a gun you can you know sell dope or whatever in this tv show or in this movie so that the, that middle america who's never been exposed to latin people ever can be offended about you crossing the border into our country you know yeah I mean? exactly you know and then also it's the same thing with like the outfits it's like the typical like jola outfits with like the plaid shirts and then like the white you know beaters and you know, it's like, no, not everyone, not every Latin American or people in LA who are Hispanic would wear this. Like, there are some people that just wear normal, you know, like that they just, you know, dress non-stereotypical. And like, and I also feel like that in terms of like the tattoos, especially the face tattoos, okay, I, I understand that there are some gang members that, or a lot of gang members that have face tattoos but i just i don't know like i just feel that it's it's interesting that a lot of the people that aren't like at higher rankings have face tattoos but everyone who are of higher ranking don't you know what i mean like it's like very i don't know yeah it's never a good look there's not there's not really a good excuse for the face tattoos at all for anybody of any race ever yeah <laughs> Yeah, so I, I'm not supporting it but on, on any ranking level. Yeah, that's a hard pass and probably a note by someone who isn't actually familiar with how white face tattoos are depicted at all. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. fully agree. Uh, it also just frustrating that the whole movie like I'm pretty sure every Latin person who got a speaking role was also 
you know, portraying like a criminal of some sort. And it's just a little frustrating that when in doubt, like let's, especially in LA, like let's, let's have these Latin people be bad people. Like why the Latin folks have to be like considered the stereotypical, like, you know, drug pushing criminals who are, you know, ruthlessly drive doing drive-bys and killing children like yeah i don't love the look i'm 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 just i'm a little sick of the cliche yeah i agree but yeah that that was kind of like the main issue with this film for me was like the depiction yeah because like the thing is right they could have done the whole movie and those people have been white and it wouldn't have done anything differently no yeah it would have been no specific reason for them to be latin at all no yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're just making faces at each other. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I just thought I, I think that was like kind of like the main issue. Another issue was like the the writing, um, as we talked about throughout this like <laughs> plot summary. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was a little stressful. I feel like um it wasn't strung together very artistically, I would say. Um, there were a lot of things about um, just people who were included that just really didn't need to. Like we mentioned Peg, we mentioned the kids, like like I feel like the it was it was sort of a a not well thought out trigger of hers for like every child who, you know, breathes air to remind her of her kid <laughs> and to and to like because every time a child was involved she it was almost a complete and utter weakness for her yeah and just and like yeah i totally get it like that's how moms are anyway but like i don't know it just it could there could have been something more deliberate in the way that they had these children placed in the movie and they didn't do that it was just sort of like every you know short human was a trigger yeah. i just you know there could there could have been more to that than that <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I just like, I, I don't know, I kind of felt like that there was a lot of scenes that they didn't really need. And I think like it would have been great if they could replace the scenes with scenes that would actually make sense, like maybe to kind of come around with the lawyer or, you know, maybe have more scenes with Lisa, you know, it, it just kind of yeah. felt like that there was just like a lot of scenes that didn't really need to be there. And they needed a better setup too, like more setup for how, like yeah. if this was clearly this, there was a lot of corruption involved in this process. Mm -hmm. There could have been more setup on the corruption of it. Like, how deep does this go? Who who are the main players that need to be taken out? You know? Yeah. Uh, things like that. That I just think that they glossed over. And you know, I'm curious to know how this movie would have gone with it being written by a woman because it felt like this writer didn't understand female dynamics either. Yeah. Um, just because like Peg did not need to be in there, but like if she was going to be, it would have been nice to sort of string her situation through a little bit more um, than it than it did. It just the the whole thing like, and then for her to just be like, I'm just gonna punch this woman for no reason. Because it wasn't really a good reason for why she punches a woman no. five years later because she was a little bitchy. Like that's not something I don't think a woman would have would have glossed over a situation like that. No, because uh, honestly, I feel like that it would have been best if like Riley and Peg kind of come into terms, be like, yeah, like like Peg would be like, I'm really sorry for 
you know, my actions five years before and, you know, like have like kind of some, some sort of like survivor's guilt because like basically her actions cause like, you know, the family to go to the fair and then get, you know, shot and killed, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, it's probably like not that serious compared to like other survivors remorse, but you know what I mean? Like it just, like, I could have like felt that pig would have changed in some way, especially after we find out that her husband left her and probably her kid also left her because, you know, he won custody or something you know, I don't know. I think like it would have been great to like have like a moment where they sat down and then they kind of like, you know, forgive each other in a way. Yeah, I I just feel like maybe, I I don't think women necessarily resolve things all the time, but I feel like in, I'm talking about like the very beginning scene um, where they interacted with Peg, like, there could have been something deeper for why things turned out the way they did. Like maybe there was some situation, some sort of backstory in their relationship, maybe long ago, or like maybe there's an issue between their daughters that doesn't sit well with, you know, Riley or something like that. But for just, for Peg to just be bitchy for the sake of being bitchy, and then Riley to come back and sort of be bitchy for the sake of being bitchy, like it just, that just, it just felt like someone who doesn't understand women very well. Yeah. Yeah, she's my thought. <laughs> it's like, what did you think about just like Riley Norris, like as a character? Um, I think that it's it's hard to tell, like, because I don't think there are any like real depictions of like what real like women who lose their families go through. But I'm sure that's what every woman would want to do if something like that happened to them. I think it was realistic and sort of how she took things and she sort of like spiraled into turmoil. I appreciate that, you know, she was willing to be savvy in her ability to take out the folks that she thought deserved to be taken out. Um, So overall, as a character, I I found her um, likable, not necessarily realistic, but definitely likable. Yeah, I kind of, I I agree too. I feel like that like I could see her fighting scene to be a, a little bit more realistic than uh, other characters, you know, other strong female characters, uh, because like since uh, she is a mom and she has done some training, but probably not as much as someone who is a professional mixed martial arts or like a fighter or you know whatever that's like okay like she has some experience and some like knowledge of how to fight but isn't an expert compared to other you know professionals right and I think that she did you know I think she was good as to not make it seem like oh like after five years she's like an expert and she's like John Wick, you know, <laughs> like at least like yeah. she she has mistakes here and there and that she does, you know, how to like mend herself, like basically every time she fights or has, you know, a fighting scene, you know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what did you think about the cops like Carmichael Beltron? 
Um, so basically for me, the cobs kind of blur together. So I'm glad you asked about both of them at the same yeah. time, because like, to be honest, like they didn't do much for me. Like they were subpar cops. Um, they were um, not very significant to the story, except to just sort of have a different angle of things. Like they didn't really use a lot of cop savvy in general. And they both, I mean, both Carmichael and Beltran played a part in helping her escape you know yeah and then just became the dumbest cops on the planet in trying to find her again so i'm not particularly impressed with them and they weren't significant to the story except that they you know if somebody's going to be committing crimes they need like a cop angle and i don't think they found it so i wasn't i wasn't like oh these were the best cops ever one was dirty (laughs) one was slightly less dirty but like they all sucked like it just it was you know I wasn't impressed. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, it's, it's kind of funny because, like, I think ever since, like, the buddy cop um, movement, you know, in, like, the 80s, that, like, now you just have, like, a new up-and-coming or, you know, young cop with, like, a more experienced cop, you know? And it's just, it's a little cliche, you know, especially now, uh, like, I, I understand that's like in, you know, the police and for, you know, law enforcement, you always do have like a younger cop working with a more experienced cop, just so that they could like, you know, have on-site training as they, you know, work, um, in their career. But it, you know, since it's been done so many times, it's a little like repetitive. Um, and like it was kind of obvious that Carmichael was the bad guy because it was just like the fact that he was like in almost every scene since the beginning of the film. It was like, yeah, like he probably has something to it. Um, and then with Beltron, like it's <laughs> he's like weird because it's like he starts off by being like, oh, like be careful of drug cartels. And then he near the end he's like oh i'm gonna help this vigilante out because you know it's it it just doesn't make sense it's like a lot of like mixed emotions and just mixed like characteristics in a sense because if he's like going by like street smart in terms of like oh stay away from drug cartels and you know avoid them then it's like (laughs) Yeah, they're very, they're very inconsistent, uh, which just plays to the fact that I don't think that they were very useful to the story in general. Yeah. Because they're just, they're all over the place. Yeah. What do you think? Well, we already talked about that guy. Uh, Is there any other? (laughs) Sorry, I was like about to say, like, what do you think about Diego Garcia? But I'm like, "Eh." yeah, we talked about him. He like, we covered that. Rewind 10 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) um do you have any other characters you want to talk about i mean i already mentioned that i don't think peg made sense for this film but uh yeah no i think i think that basically covers it i mean there were a lot of child actors in here um who triggered her um so i'm i'm always curious about like whose parent let them be in this movie (laughs) you know it's like a really dark movie it's like whose parent was like yeah that'd be fine for a little jimmy to be in that movie um but no, i mean I, you'll be surprised like a lot of these like 
you know, parents of child stars, like they want to have their child be famous and they probably just like allow them to apply to almost every single role they can get, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So, so what's the final verdict? Is a C plus? <laughs> yeah, I would say it's like a C, a C plus. Yeah, I feel like that this is kind of like a beginner's script. Yeah, from someone. Um, I do yeah. feel that he failed to research, and by he, I meant like Chad St. John. Yeah, like I feel like that he didn't research enough to really understand like what the law enforcement is, especially in LA. Because yeah. it's like LA is like, especially with LAPD, like it's known for you know being basically a gang itself, you know. Right. It, I feel like this probably this movie could have been done better if it was written by a woman, personally. Yeah. There are certain, you know, when like I don't know how how into like the film world everyone is, but like um, you can like read um, scripts read by men versus scripts read by women, and when you sometimes when you read scripts read by men, they just they just gloss over like female dynamics and like the way that the emotions are and stuff like that. And it seems like this was it was done in in the same way sort of here, um, but I but I'll also say that. Um, Jennifer Garner definitely deserved that nomination for a uh, need for a new agent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was just such like a very different film because like I guess like before this, she's she did like a lot of like kids movies like she did that one that's like Alex having a really bad no good day, you know, with well, yeah, she, has, so she has yeah. like she's been she's been a period where she's like she did movies for her children yeah and then yeah and then i know that this kind of was happening around the time that she was getting divorced from ben affleck so i don't know if she wanted just to do something different um which totally fine you know she could do whatever she wants (laughs) that was therapeutic for her go ahead because i am not a fan (laughs) yeah uh so yeah i i think that she did like a pretty good job from you know i mean like i wouldn't say that this is like an amazing performance but it's like compared to the script that she was given i'm like yeah like i think that she did what she could yeah i would say if you decide to watch this movie you should watch peppermint and then watch 13 going on 30 to like clean your palate (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah i think that's like a really good um advice uh so yeah like i think that's it for this episode sorry i had to burp (laughs) that that's like the that's like the review just a silent burp (laughs) a slight belch Uh, if you like this episode, uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, share with your friends and family. Maybe not your grandma, but you know, whatever. <laughs> That's grandma. You 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 might love it. So consider that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at J N. Sorry, J A N D M underscore podcasts. <laughs> Uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> uh, and Zynga, do you have any plugins? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's been a minute. Uh, go, uh, go watch 13 going on 30 and AMC. I'll be waiting for my discounted codes. <laughs> and nbc like we were also like the peacock um premiere oh that'd be nice yeah peacock would, okay. yeah. yeah yeah cool <laughs> uh thank you again and hope you come back next week bye bye wait how do i end this oh yeah <laughs>